young man named Chris Nickich recently completed the Ironman Triathlon. Now, if you're not sure what the Ironman Triathlon is, it is a 2.4-mile swim followed by a 112-mile bicycle ride followed by a full marathon, which is 26.2-mile run. I don't know why anybody would want to do one of those. (laughs) But, I mean... It would be an accomplishment. Like, it would be a really amazing accomplishment for anybody to complete this. Chris's story and the obstacles he had to overcome to complete the Ironman were pretty impressive. He lives with Down syndrome, and he had open-heart surgery as a young child and had four major ear surgeries at 17. As a young adult, he struggled with his balance, his slow reaction time, and his muscle tone. But his parents, they, he had these ideas, but his parents wanted him to write down his dreams, which were to buy a car, marry a smoking hot blonde, <laughs> I mean, seems smart, and to compete in the Ironman Florida in November 2020. And so they asked him to determine what was going to be his plan to get 1% better every day uh, before 10 months before he competed in this. Chris focused on building habits that would get him 1% better. And these habits, they were, they were tiny habits that he could do every day. They were very accomplishable. And he mapped them out on that whiteboard. And in November 2020, he did compete and he completed in the Ironman in 17 hours. I would still be going. Today, we're beginning a new sermon series. And we're calling it Embracing Spiritual Habits. This series is going to be a little bit different. It's going to look different. It's going to sound a little different from the way that we normally teach and preach on Sundays. We're really going to be leaning into the teaching aspect of things, and we're going to have try and have a very intense focus on the practical, the things that we can do every day to get that 1% better, but to help build these habits into regular practice into our lives. But with that, though, there are some things that we need to make clear. Our hope is that you will use or you will work to build these habits into your life, not just because you're trying to to uh, please God or earn some kind of favor from Him. Um, you know, like trying to get on His good side. Our hope is that with these habits, that you'll just simply grow your relationship with God, and it will grow deeper. That's what this is all about. We're going to be looking at 10 spiritual habits or disciplines, as they are also called, from now until the end of August. And each of these 10 habits are in a different area of your spiritual life. And hopefully, they all will help us grow in our relationship with God. And by no means is this an exhaustive list. If you're interested in the topic of spiritual formation, spiritual habits, want to dive deeper into it. There are some great resources for that. There are two amazing books that are very well regarded in this area. The first is Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. The second is from a man called Dallas Willard called The Spirit of the Disciplines. A lot about what we're going to be looking at and the habits that we're talking about over the next few months came from these books in particular with information brought from a couple more. But these are definitely the most well-regarded on this topic. One other thing that we want to do is we want to send you home every week with something to do. uh, We're calling it the habit homework. 
And so every week, we're going to give you something specific to practice the habit that we're talking about. Now, just in case you're worried, because I said the word homework, and you're like, Nick, I'm not in school anymore. You're right. You're not. (laughs) Um, We're not going to be grading it. There's not going to be any tests on it. We are going to put out a reminder on social media every week just to kind of remind you what our habit is that we're working on this week. You don't have to respond to that. Like it, though, and share it because that helps it. But um, but it, you don't have to respond or anything. These ideas are for you to be able to personally put into practice what we're talking about. Our goal is to give you something fairly attainable, small, to try and work to get a little bit better, that 1% better, at each of these habits. One of the most important things about building habits, though, is to try and make sure that you consistently work on them every day, to do them every day. However, please, please, please do not beat yourself up if you miss a day. Like, life happens. You know, plans get changed. And something will happen, and you will miss a day. But don't try, and miss, try not to miss two days. Give yourself some grace. Remember, the goal of all of this is to work with the Spirit to help grow your relationship with God. All right, now, now that we know why we're doing what we're doing, let's get to the first habit. And so today we're talking about Bible study. To be able to study the Bible, it's probably the most foundational habit that we can have. Why? Because it's the direct way that God has revealed himself to us. There's two types of revelation that are generally understood to be true. There's something called general revelation. There's another thing called special revelation. This is like theology 101. General revelation is the idea that since we are created in the image of God, we are capable of seeing him at work in the order of the universe. Psalm 19.1 kind of talks about this, where it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Think about it like this, like when you recognize the beauty in nature, like a sunrise or a sunset or mountains or forests or animals, whatever it is, but like when you see beauty and and you look at it and you're like, there's got to be something more because of how things just, one, that we appreciate beauty, but also that, that there is an order to things. You can see the creator's handiwork in all of this. So that's general revelation. But then there's the other, which is called special revelation. And special revelation is when God reveals himself directly to his followers. Throughout history, people have endeavored to document this. It has happened throughout history, and people continue to document or documented it, and that's how we got the Bible. And the Bible itself is a special revelation to us, even today, because it is described as God's word, and the writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed, that that breathed, that is inspired. That's what that means. It is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The biggest thing is that this book is God's story, and it's told through the history of the Israelite people. And if you were to ask who the main character of the Bible is, it would not be a person. It would be God. So we read the Bible because that's how God has chosen to reveal himself to us today in the 21st century. It's how he's chosen to reveal himself to us specifically in the last 2,000 years since the Bible's been completed. So how do we start 
with Bible study, though? Or even better, like, how do we just read the Bible? Sometimes that can be tough. I think it's, it's good if we get a better understanding of the book itself. So let's talk about what the Bible is. Now, for some of you, this is going to be old hat. You're, you're going to know this. You've gone through this before, and, and you know it well. For others, it may be the first time that you've heard any of this. Either way, it's okay. I hope that if you've heard it, you'll, you'll just be a nice refresher for you. For those that don't know, I hope that you can learn something today. Now, when we say that it's a book, it's really not. It's a collection of 66 different types of works. They're not all books either. Like, we call them books, but they're not. They're poetry and letters and and biographies and apocalyptic writings and, and even more. 39 of these are what is called the Old Testament. And that covers basically from creation until about 400 B.C., There's 27 in the New Testament, which ranges from the birth of Jesus through the early church and and kind of basically goes until the late first century, but also touches on what's to come in the book of Revelation. Most of the Bible is written in two languages, Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. There's a little bit of Aramaic in the Old Testament books, uh, and one of those is Daniel. And that's just a really basic understanding of what the Bible is. Really simple understanding of it. But say you've never read the Bible and, you know, I want to give it a shot. There's so many books and you're not sure where to, where to go, right? When I've had people ask me this before, I've always suggested for them to read one of the Gospels. There are four Gospels. There are the biographies of Jesus. I usually suggest John because it's, a, it's different than the others. And it's just, it's beautiful language and everything. I also will recommend Mark because uh, it's very clear and concise. And, and I like that, short to you. But if, you, if you're like me, you like to have a little bit of structure, one way that you can read the Bible is to follow a Bible reading plan. We've talked about this before, but there are so many reading plans available to you out there just to simply get you into reading the Bible. I use the Bible Project reading plan, which takes you through the whole Bible in a year. Here's the beautiful thing, though. If you don't think you can make it through the whole Bible in a year, that's okay. You don't have to read the whole Bible in a year. It is doable, but if you're just starting out, that's a daunting task. Plus, once you hit Leviticus, (laughs) all of a sudden you're like, this has got a lot harder. And then you get through Leviticus, and then Deuteronomy hits, and it's like, wait, I literally just read this in Leviticus. But you feel like you can't do it at that point. A lot of people will drop out then. They get a couple months in. But you might try something else. Maybe you just read the New Testament in a year. If you do that, you're going from four to five chapters a day to read. Instead, you're doing one or less, and you get through the entire New Testament. Or if you're really wanting to jump in, you can even find plans where you read all the entirety of Scripture in a week. I know of people who have done it. I commend them. It was not me. You have to be very dedicated. (laughs) Whatever plan you pick, choose one that you'll stick with. And if you miss a day, that's okay. Just don't miss two. There's the old question, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time, right? You're not going to take the whole thing in at once, just one bite at a time. The same thing is 
true with Bible study. You just do it in bites at a time. Try and simplify it as much as you can. If you look out on the tables uh, by the communion after the service, you're going to see a few plans out there that you can pick up. Or if you've got a phone, use the YouVersion Bible app because it has probably thousands of Bible reading plans on there. There are small ones, there are large ones, and it's, it's very well done. All right, so now we've got our plan. We know we want to study the Bible. What do we need? Well, first thing you need is a Bible. Second thing you need is one of these. Not necessarily one of the new Maple Grove green pens, although you can take one if you would like, because I like them better than the other ones, but shameless promotion for my design job. <laughs> Have a pen, though, with you. Like, take notes, write things down. It's, it's going to be important. Then there are three steps that we should take when studying God's Word. A lot of this is coming from this book that I brought up. It's from a Howard and William Hendricks. It's called Living by the Book. It's a, it's a great resource if you want to learn how to study the Bible. It goes very in-depth, but it also keeps it fairly simple as well. Living by the Book. It's not the only resource, though. There are, there are many ways, uh, m- many methods to studying Scripture. K. Arthur has a great method of Bible study called precept studies, and she gets super detailed into things. Uh, My seminary, we used a book called Grasping God's Word. Great book, great book, textbook, Um, but it's a great book for learning. There's all kinds of different methods, but most of them will have a variation of some sort of this, what, what living by the book has. And so there are three steps to Uh, this Bible study method. The first is observation, and then interpretation, and then application. You have observation, interpretation, and application. And so let's just break these down. Observation. Observation, you're asking the question, what does the text say? What does it say? My undergrad degree from IU is in journalism. We were taught to question things to figure out the story, right? You were probably taught the same questions in school, like what questions do you ask? You ask the five W's and an H, right? Who, what, where, when, why, and how. You want to be like Sherlock Holmes, and you want to get data, data, data. You want to try and figure out everything you can. We bombard the text with questions. Every question you can think of, like who wrote this? Who are the key characters? Where is it taking place? When is it taking place? When was it written? Why did this person do that? What is going on? Why did Jesus or how did Jesus know what they were thinking? Things like that. The Bible is not afraid of your questions. Just ask them as many as you can. And don't worry about trying to find the answers. Some of them are going to be readily available. Like when you are like, who are the main characters? Well, you're going to have that one pretty quick. But some of them are going to be more difficult. And that's when we get into the next step, which we'll get to. You're just trying to see what the text is saying first. You're also trying to see what the passages around your text are saying. We call this literary context. A word is a part of a sentence, which is a part of a paragraph, which is a part of a book. You cannot take the verse out of the context that it is originally in. 
That's why we rarely preach on just one verse of the Bible at a time. And if we do, we try and provide you with the context around it. So you know that we're not trying to take it out from its original meaning. But you also look at the story because even though the story is in the context of the book that it's in, it's also in the context of the entire story of Scripture. And so you want to look at it there as well. And it's pretty amazing. I've read through the Bible a few times over the last few years, and it's, it's just wild how you see the progression of one story, one continuous story, really, where everything tends to point to the Savior. Everything points to Jesus. He is the fulcrum on which the story of Scripture balances. So you're asking the five questions, the five W's and an H. You're observing the context. You also need to look at the structure of how the words and the sentences are put together. That's right. The things that you learned in primary school are coming back, and they're finally going to be worth something to you. Unless you're a writer. Maybe they already were. I don't know. Do you remember having to diagram sentences? I had to do that in Greek and Hebrew, and I had forgotten all about it and was like, I don't like this. I'm not saying that you have to diagram a sentence anymore. But figuring out the subject, the verb, the object, prepositions, all of that stuff, that's important for what, what we're doing here when we're studying, we're observing. But the beautiful thing is, you do this really well already. You just may not think about it, right? You know how to read, I assume, most of us. When you're observing, maybe at that point, that's where we're just putting our mind to it a little bit more, where we're thinking through it a little bit more. Also, we want to look at the literary structure. Are there questions asked by the text? Are they answered anywhere What's the climax? What's the resolution to the story? Is there a cause with an effect? Are there things that repeat? Either phrases or words, those are also important. All of this is important for you to look at. In addition, what's the genre of the passage? You know, the Bible is written in all kinds of different genres. There's narrative, which is what a lot of the Bible is, but not all of it. There's poetry and satire and apocalyptic, and there's some comedy, there's some tragedy. And and when you figure out what the genre is, that changes how you're going to look at, how you're going to read that passage. Because you don't read the same, or you don't read different genres the same way, typically. Like, you're not going to read the Song of Solomon the same way that you're going to read the letter of James. It's just not going to work. And there's a whole lot more, but we don't have time for it. So, uh, if you want to get into a 400-page book about it, this book's really good. Or, the, or there's others. Or go find a YouTube video for the young people here. I'm sure there's, there's something there too. With the observation step, basically just simply ask questions. A lot of questions. Then you're going to move on to the next step, which is interpretation. Here, that's where you're answering the question, what does it mean? It's here where you're taking all the things that you asked and you learned in the observation step and you're trying to find answers for them. You're answering the journalistic questions. And and I want to say this, you're also really good at interpreting things. You may not think about that, you may not know it, but you are because we are immersed in stories. We're a story-driven culture a lot of times. You read books, you watch stories on TV or movies, Most of the time, you pick up on what's going on really well. 
Stories are so ingrained into us from childhood that we have become really good at interpreting what's going on. What makes biblical interpretation a little bit more difficult, though, is that the Bible was completed 2,000 years ago. So it was written to multiple different cultures that are very different from our culture today. So there are some cultural things that we may not understand, but there are people who have studied that over the years. That's why it's important that we seek out some of that work as well, some of the work that people have already done. And so in the first step, in, in this step of interpretation, the first thing that we should do is, is to really work to interpret Scripture on our own at first. Like I said, we're pretty good at it already. Also, we have a really good book called The Bible that will help us interpret things because it's often been said that the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture, being able to look at other parts where similar ideas are, are being brought forth Scripture is one story that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. God does not change. He does not contradict himself. Scripture does not change, nor will it contradict itself. Using Scripture to interpret Scripture can be very helpful. But there are other tools that you can use as well. One of those is study Bibles. Study Bibles are put together by groups, and their whole aim is to help you study your Bible. That will help you answer some of those questions that you brought up in your observation step. In addition to the normal Bible study, there's, there's all kinds of uh, different kinds of Bible study or study Bibles. The, there's a great archaeological study Bible that points out archaeological finds that have happened in Israel or other biblical places. And that looks to the historicity of the Bible, how it all happened in history. There is an apologetic study Bible that focuses on uh, questions that people have about faith and, and defending your faith. And, and then regular study Bibles, are, you know, they just provide you with a, kind of a, like a miniature commentary. But that's, that's another important tool, they're commentaries. Commentaries, they're written by people who have done years of study, a lot of times on one particular book of the Bible. Like that is their, their main thing that they focus on. And there are different kinds of commentaries. Some are focused on the technical aspects of the books. They really dive into the languages. Others are more pastoral. They're good for preachers and uh, our preparation. And, and some are even more general. They're good for people who don't necessarily study the Bible all the time. Warren Wiersbe has a great two-volume commentary that he put out um, that is like this on both the Old and the New Testaments, and I found that to be immensely helpful. Ultimately, the goal of interpretation is to help you understand what you're reading, especially in the original context of the people that the books of the Bible were written to. But once you get this understanding, once you've done these two steps, you cannot stop there. You have to do the final step, and that is application. And application answers the question, what do I do? What do I do with all this? Howard Hendricks wrote in his book, when he talks about application, he says, people say they're going to make the Bible relevant. But if the Bible's not already relevant, nothing you or I will do will help. The Bible is relevant because it is revealed. It is always a return to reality. And for those who read it and heed it, it changes lives. It changes lives. The Bible changes lives, but you've got to be willing to put what you're learning into action. 
You can't be like the man in, in James chapter 1, verse 23. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The goal of engaging in Bible study, it's not just to get head knowledge. It's not just to, to know everything. It is to continue to let God form you and shape you into his image. To do that, you need to apply the text to your life. One thing that's important to understand is that a lot of times what the Bible says is not actually going to apply directly to you because it was written to a specific group of people at a specific time. However, what we can do is we can work to bridge the gap between when the Bible was written or when that part of the Bible was written and today. Sometimes that gap's going to be a small gap. The application's going to be really easy and able to be applied very simply. Think, do not murder, pretty good one. Do not steal, easy, right? But there are harder times when it is, uh, when you are trying to apply it to your life. There are more difficult things that you're going to have to put a little bit more work into. You're going to have to put a little bit more thought into. There are a few things we can do, though, to apply the text. The first thing is that you need to know. You need to know the text, but you also need to know yourself. That's why we do the observation and the interpretation steps, is to know the text. Hopefully, you already know yourself pretty well. But you have to, you, you really have to be completely honest about yourself. Like, where are your blind spots? Where are the areas of your life that really need fixing? Where's God working? Things like that. So you know, but then you relate. You relate the truth of the word to our experience, to your experience, to every area of your personal life. God doesn't want to just be Lord over one small part of your life. He wants to be Lord over it all. Nothing can be off limits. So when you apply scripture, it's got to touch everywhere. See, even the areas that you might just want to keep to yourself, you know, hide in the closet, even those, you can't do that. So you know, you relate, and then third, there's meditate. Meditate on the scripture. Spend time just thinking about it. A lot of times when I'm studying for sermons, I study early in the week, and then I just think about that. Like, I'm writing as I'm going, but I'm thinking through it a lot. Another area as part of this, as part of meditating on, is memorizing Scripture. It is, it's so important to internalize and memorize Scripture. As the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, 11, he says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. When times are tough, when you've got nothing else to lean on, that seems to be when the Scriptures that you've memorized come in clutch. That's why, that's why I started wearing this, these wristbands. Um, if you see me, you probably see me with one of these. Um, it, it's from a group called the Bible Memory Project, and I'm, it's not an ad or anything. I just think they're really cool. <laughs> um, but the Bible Memory Project, what they do is every month they send you four of these uh, bracelet kind of things, and they've all got one letter of every word, like the first letter of every word of that verse. I'm terrible at memorizing things. I'm just not good at it. But this helps me because I will actually work on it. That's really why I'm bad at it is that I don't want to work on it. 
<laughs> um, but this, you know, when I put it on in the morning, I run through that verse. When I am throughout the day, I will sit here and play with it and like smack myself with it for some reason. And I will work on that verse. When I take it off at night, I will work on the verse. And so like this one is L-L-B-G-A-W-I-E. And I'm going to try and do better than I did in the first service because I forgot a word. So it's uh, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And it's Romans 12, 9. And, um, <clears throat> and you can get it in the NIV. I accidentally got it in the ESV, but uh, getting that changed. But memorizing scripture is so important. Just thinking about scripture is so important. Internalizing it, putting it here, hiding it in your heart. And then there's one more, and that's practice. What you practice is what you're going to live out. So consistently apply something. Always ask yourself, is there some area of my life that this truth is needed? Be specific also when you are, are thinking through and, and making application of the text. I tell this to the youth group all the time when we're thinking through applying something from Scripture to our lives. Be specific. Ask yourself three questions. What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? Is there somebody who can keep you accountable? The idea is to make a plan. Don't just say that I'm going to study the Bible more. Great. Say that I'm going to study a chapter from this book, and then I'm going to study it at 9 a.m. every day. Even pick out somewhere to do it. It's a good cue for you. You know, I was talking with somebody the other day, and they, they are doing their Bible study on their porch swing at a certain time every day. And then also find somebody that can walk along with you with this. Say, hey, I'm going to be doing this. You know, can you hold me accountable to it? Can you ask me, hey, how's it going with this? You know, somebody that can, that can go along with you as you are applying what you're learning from Scripture. These are the things to focus on in Bible study. I, I know it's a lot, but really it's just three simple steps. Observation, interpretation, application. Observation, Interpretation, Application, OIA. So what about when you do practice these and you get through your reading plan and you're like, yeah, I am excitingly crossing the finish line, just like these folks, really excited. Don't get too excited that you are smacking the person next to you in the face as you are trying to give a high five. That would be, that, that's not good. But you're excited you're done. And, and you, you're crossing the finish line. You are really excited. Now you've read. You've studied. You're number one. You've got through your checklist. But then you kind of find yourself like the fish from Finding Nemo. You know, you, you've escaped from the dentist, and you're in the ocean in your little bag, and you're just like, okay, I'm done? Now what? What, what do you do now? Maybe you think there will be a test for this. Uh, you got to fill out a little bubble sheet, but you don't. Don't worry about that. There will not be a test, I don't think. Um, but now, now what you do is, now's the best time to just jump back in and say, let's go again. Let's do it again. Because this is a lifelong process. You will never stop learning. Never stop. You never stop gaining something as you read through Scripture. You're going to find things every time you open that book. 
And, and most importantly, it's going to continue to grow your relationship and get you closer to God. Have a deeper relationship. All right. Are you ready for your habit homework this week? All right. Here is your habit homework for this week. Do some Bible study. <laughs> Seems pretty simple. Use the three steps, observation, interpretation, application. If you need somewhere to read, read a chapter a day from the book of James. It has five chapters. Just read one a day. That gives you a couple days where if you miss a day, that's okay. You can just pick it up on the next day. Or if you're already using a reading plan, if you're already doing a Bible study, if you're doing any of that, use it with that. But whatever it is, however you want to do it, just give it a shot. A simple observation, interpretation, application. I'm really excited for this series. This has been on my heart for a while to help us get really practical with the actions that will help you grow your relationship with Jesus. I mean, we talk about all this stuff almost every week, but we don't always give you the tools to help you do that. And that's the whole point of this series for the next 10 weeks, well, nine weeks after this one. Some of these areas, you're going to be really good at. Some of these, you have had habits in this for a long time. Some of them you might not. But I hope over the next couple of months, we'll all grow deeper in our walk with God, even just to get 1% better every day as we embrace these spiritual habits. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I, I just uh, I thank you, Lord, for just the ability that, that you've given us uh, to be able to study your word. You've given us minds that can think. You've given us uh, reason and, and just uh, comprehension skills and all of these things that we can get into the word that you've left us so that we may know even more about you and and just fall more deeply in love with you. And that's kind of the goal, really, is that, that the more that we know, the more that we apply, the more that we live the Christian life, we're really just doing it to be in a deeper relationship with you, Lord. Because you are God, you are Father, you are King. Lord, we thank you um, Thank you for all of the people who have gone ahead of us and, and done a lot of this work that, that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, and thank you for the, the writers of the Bible. Thank you for the authors who wrote down the things that you did, even if they couldn't fit it into all of the books in the world. We at least have these 66 that give us even just a, a sliver of an idea of who you really are. The most important thing that we learn is that you love us and you died for us on the cross. Everything hinges on that. So thank you, Lord. Help us as we try and put this into practice this week, as we go through this series and and look at other ways that we can grow our relationship with you. Help us to do that as well. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.